Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Now, I've, I've been hosting this podcast series for uh, over four years now, I believe, and each time I always do a brief introduction, say, hello, this is Jim Mitchell. Now, should you hear a different name, it would mean that there's probably a substitute host because I have no plans for changing my name. If I wanted to do so, however, I, I would certainly know how after today's discussion. So, hello, and yes, this is Jim Mitchell back with you again. And, and today my guest on the podcast will be attorney Emil Elkas. Emil is a partner at Lavelle Law Limited and a very fine contributor to our discussion series. Uh, he does most of his work in the family law space. And today he's going to walk us through a new topic as he explains the legal process involved if someone wants to change it, change their name, kind of go through the uh, the whole thing start to finish. We'll find out what has to happen here in Illinois to do that. So let's go ahead and jump in. Emil, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, always a pleasure. Doing great here. Now, before you begin walking us through the process and talking about requirements and restrictions, um, can you just tell me quickly where where does this type of case get handled in the court system? What what uh, portion of the courts does it go through? Um, it would be typically in either the divorce courts or the domestic relations division, or what we call chancery. And chancery is the division that handles cases that don't have um, actual dollar damages. Okay. So in both those okay. two arenas. All right. And in general, again, we'll talk about it in more detail, but um, I assume that we'll find out today that there's certain types of documentation that might be required to uh, kind of take us through this process. Uh, there are, and it depends on in what scenario. So in a divorce case, there's uh, a, se- a series of documents that you would need. And uh, in a non-divorce case, um, there's also their own sets of documents. So, um, mm-hmm. but but in both capacities, there, there is a court requirement. So you, the parties would still have to go in front of a judge to get that order entered. Okay. Okay. And is um, Illinois residency a prerequisite to start this process? It is. Um, so typically, a resident, uh, excuse me, a person must be a resident of Illinois for at least six months prior to petitioning a court to change their name. Um, that's either for the individual themselves that is looking to change their name or on behalf of a child or a minor. Um, so anybody that's seeking to have their name changed must have lived in Illinois at least six months prior to the petition even being filed. Okay. And as we talk about this, you know, I, I was kind of going through the notes and several instances came to mind for me, different scenarios in which a, a name change might be sought. And you mentioned one already, that being divorce. Is that something you see commonly in your practice? And, and if someone in a divorce wants to change their name, what, what does the process entail for them? So in a divorce capacity, usually it's the, the spouse, the wife, that is seeking to either revert back to her maiden name or a, just a different last name that they've used in the past. Um, so in a divorce case, um, that option is always given to that spouse, is um, do you want to change your last name? And the courts will always put whatever name whether it's the maiden name or a, a name that was used in the past, in the divorce judgment. 
and it's at and it's optional. So the person doesn't have to revert back to that name, but should that person choose to change their name after the divorce, they have the ability to do so immediately because it's already been adjudicated by the court. Um, so that's sort of a bonus. You know, if that's anything that comes good out of a divorce, it's probably that because it saves you time, uh, money, and expense of going and changing your name after a divorce has been finalized. Yeah, there's certainly enough to deal with in, in those circumstances anyway. Um, now, I'd also be curious to know how the courts treat people with, with criminal backgrounds. It, it would seem to me that people may want a fresh start in life. Perhaps they've, you know, ready to move on and, and they want to turn a corner. Is there an issue with that? Um, typically, no. So the only time there's an issue is while a case is pending. So if a person has been arrested is and is still going through the, the court process of, you know, the, the criminal case, uh, a person will not be allowed to change their name. Um, and, you know, also for, I, I guess the only exception would be somebody that's is required to register as a sex offender. Um, those people, you know, whether it's registering for 10 years or 20 years or however long it is, if it's a lifetime registration requirement, those people will never be able to change their name. But during the pendency of any sort of obligation for registering um, as a result of a crime committed or a conviction, you can't change your name. However, but let's say a person got a DUI, was convicted several years ago, has paid all their fines, and it's just something, you know, just a sore spot in their name. Can that person get a fresh start? Yes, they can. Um, you know, there, there are some exceptions to when a person cannot change their name. So a person can change their name if, uh, by doing that, they're only seeking to do that to commit a crime or commit a fraud or to escape um, prosecution from a different jurisdiction. So in, in those instances, um, you know, if you exclude those, then anybody is really free to change their name. Okay. Well, that's that going to lead me to my next question. Let me just remind our listeners that uh, our guest on Chicago's Legal Latte today is Emil Alcas. He's a partner at Lavelle Law Limited, and, and he works with clients on a, a number of issues such as divorce and, and prenuptial agreements, child custody, uh, civil unions, I'm sure, are you know much bigger these days, uh, stalking orders, and, and a lot more. You can find Emil's profile at lavellelaw.com. And uh, he also completed a, uh, an informative video on, on calculating child support that runs on the website. We just put that up recently. So uh, that, along with past podcasts, are, are there anytime you want to visit the site and, and find out more about some of these topics. Uh, in the discussion today, we've, we've discussed some scenarios in which a person might seek a name change, such as divorce, and, and uh, we've heard a little bit about some restrictions. Now, I, I'm interested, based on what you've said so far, Emil, when someone goes to court requesting a name change, do they have to explain to the judge why they want the change? Um, no, no, that's not really a requirement. I mean, the only thing that a court will typically ask is, are they changing their name to avoid prosecution, or to fur, you know further commit a crime, or to um, commit a fraud on somebody? So, I mean, typically a person is going to say no to all of those questions, um, but a judge won't say. You know why? You, it's not required by law. I mean, do some judges do that? Yes, but it's always sort of just to go on a back and forth or have a conversation with the with the party. Uh, but that's not required. A judge, you don't have to give a, a reason to as to why you're changing your name. Okay, and and when we talk about name changes, we've, we've certainly heard of some instances of, of celebrities, in particular, adopting some rather outlandish names. Um, does the court in Illinois place any restrictions on what name someone chooses? Um, 
Yeah, so you can't pick a name that would cause any sort of violence or confusion, right? So I can't typically change my name to Coca-Cola or, you know, some derogatory term that would incite violence. Um, but, you know, with those exceptions, you, you can I can change my name to a single letter or a name of a cartoon character. You know, so long as it doesn't infringe on somebody else's rights or incite violence or... Um, is something that is just typically um, rejected, like you know, some sort of derogatory comment. Okay, and and I, I want to. Well, we've got some time here. You, you talked about some other instances earlier, and um, I think it'd be very important here to talk about the process for minors. So, if if um, um, for whatever reason a name change is sought for a child, um, how does the court view that? Um, so typically, in a divorce arena um, or post-divorce, that could be a little bit more complicated because in those cases, if the other spouse is not agreeable to it, then you have to go in front of the court and the judge determines um, the name change with the best interest standard. So is in the child's best interest to keep their current name or this new uh, proposed last name? Um, so those are a little bit um uh, sort of a different topic, um, but typically in, in in another scenario, uh, just a regular scenario without a divorce context or a paternity or custody case, a parent of a minor can change the child's last name by petitioning the court on their behalf um, because you can't file a name change petition unless you're over the age of 18 years old or deemed by a court to be emancipated. So in a divorce context or a custody context, you're filing a petition to change a child's name, uh, and the child, and excuse me, and if the other parent is not agreeable to it, then you're leaving it up to the judge to determine what's in the child's best interest. And when we when we talk about something like this, you know, I, I assume that um, you know, with so much going on in the court system, um, cases like this may not be considered a high priority. Perhaps they're they're you know equated with others, but. If you want to start a process like this, how long should someone expect a request like this to take to work its way through the system? Uh, well, typically you would file the petition, and when you file the petition, you have to provide notice to the public um, that you're changing your name. And that gives an opportunity for somebody, let's say a creditor, um, to find out whether you're trying to evade um, some sort of uh, legal action or prosecution. So um, you file the petition. You announce your petition by filing it in a uh, circulation, so in a newspaper. Uh, so there's a legal ad that you would have to take out for three consecutive weeks. Um, and once it's posted for three consecutive weeks, then you're allowed to go back into court to enter a judgment. So I would say from beginning to end, maybe I'd say average uh, realistically is about a six-week process. Um, and, and that's not that long. You know, most mm -hmm. of it is just, you know, waiting for those three weeks to come and go. Um, but the process itself is relatively quick and simple. In, in terms of things being quick and simple, I asked you earlier about documentation, and you said it differs based on the scenario. Uh, generally, is the documentation for something like this particularly complex, or is it really um, sort of background and, and you know, general information? Uh, no, it, it's typically just background, general information. Most courts now have forms already prepared for the petition, and you're basically filling in the blanks. Um, so those are those name changes where an adult is seeking to change their own name 
or the ones that I would call like uncontested, so a parent changing the minor child's name. Um, in the divorce or custody scenario, when there's a custody issue, those are different. Those those are actual petitions that a party would have to draft and file with the court. So there's a, and, the, I guess the paperwork involved is is different from depending on in which capacity they're they're being brought. Okay, and that that is through the courts. Now I'm I'm going to ask you one last question. We've got a minute or so left here, and it's it's probably an entirely different topic. So. Um, we can kind of brush it off or give me a quick overview if you can. But uh, someone does this legally. They go through the process. They change their name. Do they then on their own have to go out and, uh, you know, obviously they've got a driver's license, maybe a mortgage, bank accounts, life insurance policies, everything else that their name is attached to. Does does this legal change automatically imply that the name is changing those, or does someone have to go out and reach every contact and every document they have with their name on it and make those changes? Yeah, the person would actually have to take their judgment and go to all those different places and get get the names changed. So you'd have to get a new birth certificate, a new driver's license, a new social security card. You know, go to the banks, change your mailing address, um, and that person would physically have to do that themselves. So there isn't a um, some sort of system or automated system where everything's changed immediately. You physically have to go to each of those entities and change your name. Yeah, and that's I imagine uh, far more. Uh, labor-intensive than, than really anything else that we've talked about today, but um, certainly something to think about, and as I said at the beginning, very informative. So, Emil, I want to thank you for being with us today. Always good uh, when you can take time to be here, so I very much appreciate his time, and we'll let Emil get back to work. Uh, we appreciate his insight and all the things that he adds each time he uh, he joins us here. So um, I will say that we'll promise not to change the name of the podcast anytime soon. That means you can always find Chicago's Legal Latte here on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, and not just each week's new topic, but any of our archives from the past. And uh, you'll be able to find Blog Talk, or uh, I'm sorry, Chicago's Legal Latte uh, on iTunes and LavelleLaw.com, a uh, number of different places you can access all of our discussions. And I hope you take the chance to do that and uh, enjoy a number of our programs. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.